Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpeed. Everybody, welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete Internet Radio Show slash Podcast. It is Thursday night. It is nine thirty. It is November the tenth, two thousand and eleven. We are Cal and Sam Pete, and we are ready to unload the podcast. Coming to you live from Bayside, New York, and Comac and Freehold, New Jersey. Yes, it's the Ready to Unload program, talking New York sports, talking regular sports, talking unleaded sports, talking uh, Phoenix sports, maybe. I think we might actually talk a little Penn State sports tonight, unfortunately. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We have Ted Berg from SNY.TV going to join us, talk about the Mets, the Jets, talk about Jose Reyes, talk about his favorite sandwiches, gyros, how to eat a gyro. He's a good guy. We're going to have him on. So it's going to be great. Join us for the next hour and a half to two hours. We don't know. We make no promises. It's ready to unload with Callan Sam Pete in New York. Okay. All right. Okay, great. Okay, cool. Cool. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. I am one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro, otherwise known as Sam Pete, to a lot of people. Um, it is great to be with you on Thursday night, November the 10th, 2011. And uh, we got a ton to talk about tonight. Uh, we're going to talk sports with you, not at you, sort of the tagline. And uh, without further ado, let's bring in uh, the co-host, the guy who co-hosts the show. Yo, let's bring him in live, Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Hello. Well, how's well, it going? It's been some week, mod on. It sure has. You know, this move to Thursday has really uh, benefited us, hasn't it? It, it, really has. it really has, from a story aspect, from a, uh, what's going on. We can talk about the week coming up in football instead of the week that you've already heard about. And, uh, of course, this week, oh, I just keep saying Umaron because, I mean, a story like this comes along and, and you, you start to scratch your head and you start to wonder what the heck is going on in the world and why is sports so important? And you start to question why you like sports so much and how, uh, anyway, we're going to get into the, to the Penn state stuff before we do, before we do, let's welcome in via 
not only uh, is he on the line, Gal, but he has joined us now on Uvu. Free plug for Uvu. Video calls, by the way. You can do video calls with Uvu. Have three people in the room, Cal. There he is. I'm looking and, at him. Uh, he's with us. The the Bishop, Pop Culture PJ, the Pooh, our producer. And we're looking at him. <laughs> I I can't even believe I got this done. So look, at, <laughs> look at the technology. Look at the technology. You don't I want page. to know the number of times I had to reboot my machine to get this done. <laughs> Who <laughs> is a uh, is a complex uh, bitch of a program, but it, uh, no, it's actually I think it's pretty easy. It's like a pretty easy download, and it's a lot like AIM. So here we are. We are all joined uh, via Skype, via Uvu, via Blog Talk Radio. The uh, Ready to Unload boys all looking at each other like jerks. Well connected. Right now, a show of hands. Show of hands. Who has their pants on? Okay, no hands went up when I just said that. Was that required? I'm sorry. I thought this was cash. It is no pants or option. We'll see what Ted Berg's doing later on. We'll see if I got sh- I got shorts on. Is this is this the literal portion of the program that we're in there? <laughs> no, no. I just I'm 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 letting it all hang out there. I'm in the office. I'm in you know the what I don't like? I don't like this whole headset thing. This is bad. We all do look like we're at the drive-thru at Taco Bell yeah. because everyone yeah, is once, using once, we, once we start recording these and uh, and posting them, um, the headsets are going to have to go. We're going to have to get lavaliers. We're going to have to get – no, forget about labs. We're going to get, like, big hang-down Howard Stern mics that we like, can, you know – Booms? Yeah, like big, huge hang-down boom mics. What, I'm like, being so technical you want, like, right audio now. guy like Keith standing in the corner holding the mic for you, or you want to like, – <laughs> That's <some> right. <laughs> Right. No, I'm going to have Keith here. I'm just going to hire Keith for the night to stand in the corner. I don't sit still when I'm on. You know, when I'm on, I get up and I walk around. Matter of fact, I can't believe I'm sitting here right now. There he goes. There he goes. When I wow, literally. Oh, he's got a wireless headset, Cal. He's gone. He's gone. He left his chair. Yeah, no, but he's I, still I, sure. I need. I need to pace the house to when I'm when I'm talking. I need. To, I need to walk and talk. This is now. This is even odder because he's talking, but I'm looking at an empty chair. That's right. It's now gotten officially Kubrickian on uh, PJ's Uvu feed right now. <laughs> he just comes sauntering back in. Was, that, was, was that David Lynch enough for you? No. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to set down a uh, a little scotch. What's with the midget? <laughs> you said Lynchian. What are you doing with the midget? Stop it now. Sorry. Or is that an albino? That's an albino midget. <laughs> Does it get more Lynchian than that? Just uh, like a pirate. Obviously. Like a pirate, yes. Uh, we uh, we have a, a huge show. Ted Berg from SNY.TV, TedQuarters.net, uh, the Mostly Mets podcast, which they started uh, after we uh, had Ted on the last time, Cal. And the Mostly Mets podcast, they've done about 20 of them. It's uh, it's going really well. They're doing a really good job with that, so we'll talk to him about that. He's a big-time podcaster now. Uh, he's going to tell us about his gyro experiences, of recent gyro-eating experiences, and uh, we'll talk about the Jets coming up against the Patriots, big game, blah, blah, blah. Arrested Development, the movie. There's a lot of stuff to touch on with Ted. Uh, so we'll have him on in a bit. But, fellas, and I'm including you in this, PJ, because I, I know you saw it, 
and I know you're a parent, and I know you went to college, and I know, uh, you know, this this Penn State story is not just sports. It's not the ridiculous minutia that Cal and I talk about on a weekly basis, like what number did Mike Bossy wear? You know, this is like, this is important, and this is tragic, and this is disturbing. Uh, all of those uh, adjectives that can be used to describe this story so far. Uh, Peach, uh, Brian and I were talking about before we came on the air, and we were just saying, you know, everybody's talked about this. It's been, quote, unquote, discussed to death. Let's just continue the conversation that we've been having for the last three or four days. And that is uh, outrage. Um, I, I'll put, let me put it to you this way, guys. Let me frame the conversation this way. This morning when I woke up, I had to get up super early because I had a job. So I was up at about 5.45 and uh, checked my, my BlackBerry <laughs> uh, in, the, in, in the restroom, as I want to do. And uh, I saw that Joe Paterno had been quote-unquote fired. I'm going to not say quote-unquote again, I promise. But he had been uh, ostensibly fired by the Board of Trustees. Uh, and I was pleased. I was, I was unbelievably pleased. In fact, I wish it should have come six hours sooner. That's right. So discuss. I mean, you know, what does that say, that I was that pleased about this man's ouster. Well, why don't one you tell may, us what, what that says? One may <laughs> drive around the block, and uh, if you see a house on fire, you can uh, you can drive past it. And uh, if you don't call the fire department, you know you're not going to get in that much trouble. But uh, if you drive around the block again and the house is still burning, and uh, you know you don't call the fire department that time, well then you know then we worry about you. Yeah, you you just started to wonder how deep. Look, there's things about it that you can't deny, all right? You can't deny the fact that there was an investigation into Jerry Sandusky on the campus done by the campus police in 1998, a year before he resigned. There was a 30-page report produced, okay, and that you know Joe Joe Paterno saying that he never got that report or had no idea about it is a lie. Okay, it's a lie. So the 2002 incident with McQuarrie, the assistant coach, which is disgraceful in its own right. I mean, we can get to that. But it was not the first that Joe Paterno was hearing about this. So how long did he cover up for a serial pedophile? And I, 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 I almost don't want to use the word alleged, and I'll tell you why. They have the assistant coach's grand jury testimony about right, what Jerry Sandusky did in 2002. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Not only that, but he's a grad student witness, isn't there? Yeah, the the assistant who's now the assistant uh, now an assistant coach. He was a grad student coach at that time. Mm-hmm. But the the thing is, he he's just destroyed his life by telling the truth under and and who cares? But uh, uh, telling the truth to the grand jury. So it's not like he has any the, the source here. Is not uh, some you know is not a victim who has something to gain. The source is a guy who has everything to lose and had no choice but to tell the truth to a grand jury. So frankly, I I've thrown the word alleged out. Okay. So in my estimation, guys, you know Joe Paterno knew that this was going on. 
you don't work that closely with somebody for that many years, have investigations go on, have this go on, uh, uh, have the Two Mile Foundation, which we're now finding out scary rumors about that. I'm, I don't know if you guys saw that. That was sort of late breaking news at about five six o'clock. Yeah, but you don't want to you don't want to rush on that because it is a rumor. It's a rumor, but there's some rumors going around with that. Hold but, on, this, this one I, this one I didn't hear. I'm sorry. There is there is a rumor, and it is completely unsubstantiated. Okay, but there is a a rumor that has been reported on in a number of places that potentially the Two Mile Foundation was in some way and and. Brian, get me if I'm wrong on this. Some way, sort of a sort of a front for a basically a childhood prostitution ring. Yeah, not not necessarily that it was a front. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it was it was a legitimate organization and a, a legitimate group, but that Sandusky was kind of using the kids in this group as a way to. Um, raise money for the university, the highest donors would have access to these kids. That's kind of the best way to put it. That's a rumor. That's a rumor. Which, that's as unthinkable as this entire story is, that that would just just completely put it over the edge. Yeah, it's true. It's a a monstrosity. And and even the guys who have... That uh, would shut the university down. It could. It could. Because now you're talking about donors, you're talking about the board, you know, uh, you're talking about high-profile high alumni, et cetera, et cetera. But again, the guys who reported this have – it's been more of like a, where there's smoke, there's fire, and less evidence. But I don't even want to get into that. I want to just get into – or just talk a little bit about Joe Paterno being forced to uh, – uh, forced out as opposed to being able to finish out the season and retire on his terms. No, you okay. don't get to and, it in this case. Right. You don't get to do you not lose that that right by keeping your mouth shut for however long it was? I mean, you don't get to go out in a blaze of glory. You don't get to go out uh, with grace and dignity because because of you in 2002. Because of you not saying anything, how many children did this happen to? You know how many how many children? I mean, we you know Cal and I have been listening to WFAN and, and Mike Francesa who we've killed on this show. We've had a party killing the guy on this show. <laughs> the last thing has shown why he's so frustrating, because he's been fantastic with this story, and when he actually tries, he's great. And one of the things he's said uh, again and again, and this is the one question I would want to ask Joe Paterno, and I guess a caller brought this up, Cal, was, okay, so McQuarrie comes to you and he says, Jerry Sandusky was anally raping a 10-year-old boy in the shower, okay? And it was your grandson, Joe Paterno. Do you, do you think he just runs and tells the AD? No. And, and let's, let's just be clear about one thing. This is Joe Paterno. This is not the head coach of the Penn State football team. This is – he is Penn State. So while he was following protocol and, and, he, and he did the right thing that he's obligated to do, right? He told, he told his superior, if he wanted to do something, he could have done something. And the fact that he didn't, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear that, – that, that's where the story ends, right there. He knew that this happened. He had the power to do something, and he didn't. And that was nine years ago. 
Nine years. And nine years ago. And, and, and he's going to release a statement on Wednesday saying, uh, I'm going to retire at the end of the year, and I don't want the Board of Trustees to spend one more minute focusing on me. They've got, enough, they've got bigger things to worry about. So, yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm throwing myself on the sword. I'm going to take myself out of the picture. You guys, you guys focus on the investigation, and I'm out of here. But, like, to the last minute, he was just defiant and arrogant about the whole thing. And that shows you that he's a guy that thought he ran the university. And if he ran the university, he should have done something about it nine years ago. Yeah, or, or 13 or 14 years ago. When they At any it, point you know, in the last, yeah. Exactly. I mean, Jerry Sandusky started this foundation in 1977, Brian. He was a 33-year-old assistant defensive coordinator, and he started a foundation for wayward boys. And, and again, you, you can say all this stuff now looks unbelievably suspicious. You know, I, I, there are plenty of people who at 33 years old are in his position and try to do good. That's not what we're saying. You know, you're certainly not accusing everybody who starts a foundation and wants to do something good of this. But now, in hindsight, you do put some of the flags together, and you're, and you're, you're, you're horrified. Now, a couple things maybe a little different that we haven't heard, Bri. We were just talking about McQuarrie and the, and the assistant coach who saw the, the event in 2002, went and told Joe Paterno about it the next day, Couple right. things. How does that guy work there for the next nine years? Mm-hmm. You, well, you, you know why he how he works there for the next nine years, right? Because he knows he, something. He's he's got the goods. I'm surprised, well, I'm surprised he's not head coach. Yeah. Well, number one, he's got the goods. Number two, he he received a coaching position or a job with the school. He was a graduate assistant, an unpaid graduate assistant at the time of the incident. Right. And shortly thereafter, he became a paid employee of the university. Right. So you, you kind of look at the time. Metal. Look at the time. I mean, every Steve, the things that we've seen in the story. Yeah. You want to talk about coincidence? Yeah. It, I mean, blow your mind. Yeah. Well, but, no. I mean, it, it, go ahead. I'm sorry, bro. No, no. What I was going to say is that's that's why he still has a job is because he was part of this. He didn't say, you know, don't say anything about what you saw. And you can work here. You can have a job at Penn State. No, I, I mean, and he and he didn't. You know, I mean, the first thing he did was call. He called his father. He saw it and he called his father. Now, here's here. How about this angle? The father now knows what happened. Right. Right. A father of a boy of a young man yeah. knows what happened nine years ago. Right. And we and nobody heard anything from him. He never said a word. Right. It just. Yeah. I mean, the length is. Right. The amount of people that are complicit in this just keeps extending on and on and on. And then, you know, the university population, the current university population reaction, which is has made – you know what, Pige? You know, we, I, I'm sure you saw, like, the rioting and stuff and the overturned, you know, trucks and stuff. And Kriegel had a great tweet today, Mark Kriegel, which I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but, PJ, you'll love this. And that was, gee, it used to be, you know, uh, young people at universities would protest because of unjust wars and people being killed too young and stuff like that. Now they protest because a football coach got fired and they flip over cars and stuff like that. And it's true. I mean, people cling, you know, they're all going to regret doing that in a couple of days. You hope so. Initial initial reaction is, hell no, we're not going to let Joe go. We're not going to let, you know... uh, Get wrapped up in this. Who knows? 
You may not have known anything. We got to protect Papa Joe. Yeah, uh, that's going to go away. Uh, you hope so. I mean, Shame one of the they things, flipped a few cards. Yeah, one of the things we've talked about though, uh, uh, Peach, on the on the BlackBerry IM with Doctor Ray Stad as well, who's uh, outraged uh, and rightfully is it, just been very outraged by this. Is the idea Doctor like, Ray Stad is unavailable? <laughs> well, that's a new one that works. We can't be here today. <laughs> can't be here tonight. That does sound like his nurse's assistant too, saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that would be the automated message you get when you call up Dr. Erase That's office. Right. Dr. Erase That is unavailable. We need, we need Dr. Erase Dr. Erase is unavailable. <laughs> Please leave a message. Um, <laughs> no, but one of the things we said, Peach, and this, I really believe this, as like a teaching tool for your kids. Like, I hope I teach my kids to be leaders and not followers. I hope I teach my kids to be... Uh, to to be so, uh, selfless and not selfish and think of the larger picture, that there are at least 20 victims here whose lives uh, have been destroyed. And, like, think of the larger picture as opposed to a football coach who doesn't give a crap about you. I mean, it, it, if will, my kids... They will come, it, come around to that. I know. It's just it's frustrating to watch them not right now. Where is he yeah. going? Where could, where, could, where could PJ be going? I never know what he's doing in there. Are you in the kitchen? Meatloaf! <laughs> we need it! Um, the other thing, Cal, you talked about the timing that we were talking about. Now, why is McQuarrie not fired? Is it because he's more of an essential, more of an essential coach uh, for this week than Joe Paterno is? The well, that's the thing. Against Nebraska. Yeah. And somehow this guy who's the quarterback coach but also sort of runs the offense... Is not out of a job, and he's the only one. And and if anybody, I mean, he's the one who gave the grand jury testimony. I know. How do you I not mean, want to distance yourself from him? And if if one of the reasons why they got rid of Paterno now was to avoid the distraction, I mean, there's going to be a distraction on Saturday. There's no way around the fact that there's going to be a distraction. Of course, just just by the sheer fact that there's a game on Saturday. And then you want to remove Paterno from that environment. I get that. But if McQuarrie is still in that environment, it's still going to be a distraction. It's, I, I, you could argue it's more of a distraction. It could be more of a distraction. Me, he's almost a bigger lightning rod than Paterno is. Yeah, but, but, the, but the faction at the university that is supporting Paterno is not supporting McQuarrie. Oh, well, no, he doesn't have 61 years of... Uh... I, Obviously, but, I'm, what, I, but what, what I'm saying is, you know, there was a report earlier in the week that, um, you know, at Penn State, they do a whiteout. They all wear white right. in support of the team in the, in the stands. And what the, there was a movement earlier in the week that they were going to change that, and they were all going to wear blue in support of the victims. And you know what? I, I saw that, count. You know what? Save it. Save it. Well, he will know. hear me out, because that's the first part of it. Well, no, it gets worse, because that's the first part. The second part is that the university is so divided that those that are supporting the victims are going to wear blue. Those that are supporting Paterno are going to wear white. Genius. So it's just going to become a, a circus, this whole thing, this serious, serious thing that happened. And again, no mention of the victims. Right. Nobody's even talking about the victims. And you know what? It's a circus. With the players, too, like you're going to wear wristbands or, you know, uh, your eye black is going to have for the victims. You know what? Save it. Save it. Pretty hollow, you, yeah. You, not only is it hollow, right, Peach, but also you keep saying this has nothing to do with you. 
and it has nothing to do with Paterno. You weren't here when Jerry Sandusky was there and stuff. Good. Then don't pretend. Don't get involved. That you care. Don't give me the wristbands. Don't give me that stuff because the football program that you play for decided to do nothing for, for well, how, who knows stuff. how long. Who knows how long. Do you think Do you think it could have been, uh, you know, the, the, there's this thing called the Genovese Syndrome, the uh, the attack on uh, that woman, Kitty Genovese. She was attacked in an alley. Everybody who lived in the apartments above the alley heard the attack, but nobody reported it because they all didn't want to get involved or assumed that somebody else did it. Do you think that possibly that this is a case of that? No. No, and I and, no. and it's a, it's, this, it's definitely this went a fair thing. To cover up? It's definitely a fair thing to to bring up. Here's what I think, and and this is I try this to be is no no. This, well, I, just my opinion. My opinion is these guys knew about this. These people at the highest levels knew that there was something wrong with Sandusky, whether they knew the level uh, or or or. Uh, extent that this person, this this subhuman monster was operating under. Okay, whether they knew the extent of it, that's one thing. But they knew something was going on for a long time. They forced the guy to resign in 1999. He was 55 years old, and the heir apparent to the job. They knew that something was wrong there. And, again, it's about money and legacy. By 1999, Joe Paterno has already been there 35 years. He's been at the university for 50. Okay? He's not going to see his reputation tarnished. Not to mention, let's always forget, or let's never forget with Penn State, their motto, right? What is it, Cal? Six, uh, what is it? Uh, success with honor or something like that. Joe yeah. Paterno runs a clean program, you know, and he, you know, Joe Paterno came down on the Switzers of the world and all these guys or whatever. Rings pretty hollow now, doesn't it? Rings pretty hollow. So, no, I think these guys knew, and I think there's too much money at stake. That if Penn State football is disgraced, they lose bowl games, they lose boosters, they lose, you know, they, they lose big-time alumni. No, I, I, I don't. And you know what? I'll go a step further because I'm a ridiculous conspiracy theorist. <laughs> you know, I, no, I was talking about this with some people today, Cal. He won his 409th game, right? The all-time record for Division One coaching victories, correct? That's right. What was it, two weeks ago? Um, it'll be two weeks Saturday, yeah. Yeah, and this story broke on Saturday. This investigation has been going on for two and a half years. Right. Okay, this grand jury testimony was, was from what, two years ago? Give him his due, give him his record, and then, and then it. let it finally come out, in other words. And then let it hit. And then let it hit. And then when we fire him, if we are forced to fire him, let's dangle it out there. Let's see what happens. Let's let him say he's going to retire and see what the public sentiment is. And then the well, sentiment was out against it, and so they fired him. Steve, if you're, if you're going that far with the conspiracy, then how do you explain Jerry Sandusky working out in the weight room last week <laughs> at the university? If this is all a conspiracy and they all knew that this story was going to break, the, guy, the, the man was working out in the locker room with access to young men last week. Week. That, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discounting your 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 theory, but if that if that's 
even remotely true. That I, I can't get my you head know, around that. You know what? You know what the Nambla men say. The, Na- the no, Nambla men say I don't. that, that uh, <laughs> if you tell. ask around, if you ask around enough, you will. Uh, you'll find that uh, not a lot of men actually look down too harshly on the uh, on the man-boy interrelation. That's, oh, well, that's just that's true. Wow. Well, look, oh, boy. you know, there there may have been more than one person besides Sandusky who thought it would be okay to let it slide. It's just a thing. It clearly was. Right. Right, right. It's well, that's a whole other... The boys will get that's... over it. Keep it right. quiet. In other words, the Catholic Church motto. <laughs> I, I would never say that. I would never say that. No, no. No one says that about you, Judge, as far as you know. Uh, you're a tremendous slouch, remind, remind me to tell you my priest story one day. <laughs> Not on the air, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Oh, no, definitely on the air. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I, I Look, I don't know if I want to take a conspiracy that far. I, I'm just saying... That, the way they control information, they knew about this investigation for two and a half years. Who knows if they put it off till this year, Cal? All I'm saying is, and they didn't know when it was going to break this year or whatever, but saying I find it awfully coincidental. Maybe it's just a, a coincidence. Either way. Uh, now, how we're, long? We're going to have Ted on. Pictures <laughs> of uh, famous politicians with their arm around Paterno and their arm around Sandusky start coming up. Mm-hmm. Well, he yeah. he lost the uh, the presidential medal, right? They were gonna they were they gave Paterno the pre, they had given him the pres, some presidential medal for an educator or something like that, and they took that back. I mean, well, good. Y- Let's yeah, find a picture you know. of him and Rick Santorum. Yes. <laughs> no politics, PJ. No politics on this show. Not on this show. Not on this. That's our other pod. Not on my watch. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> That's our other podcast, though. Ready to unfoil, unfurl. <laughs> now you have to go write a song called "Ready to Unfurl." Ready to re- ready to revolt. Ready, right? Ready to unfurl like a snake and uncurl. And, and work work the word partisanship into it. Work the one work the word bipartisanship into it. bipartisan. No, pardon, no partisanship. Oh, right. Yeah, because that's the. There's no such thing now, of course, you saw what the onion is doing with this, right? With Sandusky? No. With, with the with with oh the the onion has a tremendous headline. The sports media asks molestation victims what this means for Joe Paterno's legacy. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, but the onion, I love it. You know what? I love it. They're just once again proving that, you know, gotta take shots. Yeah, you know, they took a shot at the was, you know, they took a shot at the sports media. They took they took that angle. Exactly. It. It That's exactly right. Yeah. Hey, look, there's there's a girl, one of the victim's sisters, goes to Penn State. Ooh. Goes to Penn State. And she's saying, I, I can't go to class. Everybody's making jokes like, you know, Sandusky and stuff like that. I mean, they don't know, but it's pretty insensitive. You know, you don't go to Penn State. Yeah, maybe you don't go to Penn State. She said, and look, I can't fault the girl. She said they have a great cancer research uh, uh, program, and they donate a lot of money to cancer research. And and that's what she wants to go into, and I think, like, her mom, the mother has cancer or something. You know, but, I mean, there's there's a lot of schools. You know, I mean, let's if find you're out that, that girl's name, and let's berate her. 
<laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you were that girl, do you go to a football game? <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, the whole thing is just so disgusting, and it's all covered up because of football. All because of a football program. You know what's crazy? We were talking about uh, how it's such a big story, and, and it's like the, the convergence of sports in the real world and how this is bigger than sports, and it's like this huge story. Monday, Monday, just this past Monday, was the 20th anniversary of Magic Johnson That's announcing right. that he has HIV. And that was another huge story that transcended sports. And it's like, it's you remember where... <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And Joe and Joe Frazier died this week. And like, Joe Frazier. But like the whole point is you remember where you were when you heard when Magic Johnson made that announcement. You're gonna remember where you were when Joe Paterno was fired. Yeah. I was, Twenty years later. I was in Florida uh when Magic Johnson uh I'm in Florida right now. I was in Florida when uh Magic Johnson announced that I'll never forget that I was at my grandmother's house. I'd gone down there on I guess that would be uh, just to – my mom was down there for some reason. I don't know. I was in Florida at my grandmother's house. You were a senior. You skipped out. It's fine. In Barefoot Bay. <laughs> my, grandma, my grandmother had a nice place in Del Boca Vista. We're going to be in the pool. Going to be in the clubhouse. We're going to be all on that shuffleboard court. <laughs> my, by far and away, my favorite uh, Frank Costanza moment. By far and away. PJ and I have talked about this, Cal. He can't even open his eyes when he's speaking on the phone. <laughs> Frank Costanza. That's how angry he is. That's so right. His eyes are closed. He's just, this is Frank Costanza. We're going to be in the pool. <laughs> We're moving to Del Boca Vista, rock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, we're waiting for uh, for Ted Berg to call in. We'll call in in a couple of minutes. And, and uh, guys, one last thing on this on this Penn State thing. Um, if you're Joe Paterno, they, I read this stat the other day. It's the first time in 61 years that Joe Paterno will not be on the sidelines for a Penn State game as 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 a part of the coaching staff. 61 years. It's a long time. And to think you piss it all away. Because, you know, I put, a, I put a quote up on the show page on Blog Talk Radio. I don't know if you guys saw that. Nobody, nobody looks at what I do, right? Nobody goes to the page and, and looks for what I do. Is that correct? I just didn't make it there yet. Just, you know, here, Cal, you ready? There are, there are the, this is from the Patriot News. There are the obligations we all have to uphold for the law. And then there are the things we are obligated to do because it's morally right. And that's really what this is all about here. That's really to me what it's all about with Joe Paterno. It's all about not doing what was morally right and not doing what you're supposed to do. It's fine that you passed it on to the AD. Here, there are, there are then the obligations we all have to do what is right. You know, it's fine that you passed it on to the AD. I guess you're not legally culpable. Good for you. But you know what? You're out. Don't let the door hit you in the ass. Let me ask you a question, and this is just a hypothetical, but... Yeah, what and if, we, got, we got Ted, so... Okay, but real quick, what if this wasn't Jerry Sandusky that they, they happened upon, and it was just some, 
no name assistant that was on the staff for maybe five years, and you know there were no ties to Paterno. Do you think Paterno would have acted differently in that scenario? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's... absolutely. I mean, this was his. This was. It's been said all week, but this was his Bill Arnsberger. This was his Bill Belichick. This was the guy who created linebacker U. This was the guy who was next in line for the job, Cal. He was 55 years old when they forced him, we now know, forced him to resign. This was the guy next in line. You know, and, and you know, the next person that tells me, oh, well, you know, uh, and that is an apologist for him and says, well, you know, maybe he didn't know and you don't want to see it in your friends or whatever. We're not talking about a drinking problem, okay? You know, that, that, th- this shouldn't be hard to address. Get your friend help. I don't like that you're looking directly directly at me when you're saying that. You're (laughs) making me a little uncomfortable now. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? You know what? That's that's part of the the deal being on Uvu, PJ. You got to deal with that, all right? I feel like you're accusing me of something and you won't say it, but your (laughs) eyes are saying it. Sometimes I look askance at Cal, and he knows. He knows. He knows I, stuff. I just hang my head in shame. No, you don't. All right, I'm going to go play with the sound effects buttons. Go play with the sound effects buttons. Let's bring in Ted Burke. I have his music here and everything. Joining us once again on Ready to Unload with Callum Sampy from SNY.TV, from www.tedquarters.net, from the Mostly Met podcast, from the baseball show, and from a KFC near you, it's if he's in a KFC near you, say hello. Uh, guys, I think that that might be the most uh, triumphant introduction I've ever had. I feel like I'm a male figure skater. <laughs> you can't see me, but my the, the arm that's not holding the phone is is stretched out in triumph. <laughs> All of a sudden, a spotlight sh- shone down on you. Yeah. yeah. You didn't even have a spotlight there. <laughs> uh, Ted, what's up, man? Uh, I'm, I'm chilling. Yeah, it's been, a, uh, it's been a little while since we uh, talked to you. Let's jump right in. I'm going to jump right in and uh, ask you, how are you digging the podcasting gig? You are doing the Mostly Mets podcast now with Toby Hyde and Patrick Flood. Uh, I'm digging it, man. I'm starting to. You guys are hitting a little bit of a stride there. Thanks. I'm. You know, we're sort of learning as we go along. Uh, I'm having a ton of fun. Uh, I more fun than I thought, uh, to be honest. I, I, I. Not that Toby and Patrick aren't great guys to talk to, but uh, we end up like we always end up like doing the whole podcast every time. We're like, oh, we're gonna keep it to an hour this time. We'll keep it short. And we talk for an hour and a half, and then we we end the podcast, and then we talk for like another forty five minutes after that. I don't know. It's just uh, they're fun guys to talk to. Yeah, it's it's wild how like Cal and I wind up having these post mortems that are like forty five minutes. We'll look up at the clock and be like, dude, it's twelve fifteen. We've been talking to each other for three and a half hours. Right. Uh, yeah, well, but it, but it, it's cool. I mean, we had a where I mean. Toby, we recorded on Toby's computer, and it, it so happens that we all have just terrible home computers, and uh, <laughs> Toby's might be the worst. 
And so his computer crashes like two or three times an episode. Uh, so, you know, sometimes the, sometimes the awkward breaks are actual pauses in the action. Sometimes they're where we had to insert edits because the computer crashed. So sometimes we'll be talking, and I, I, don't, I don't even think we're recording yet. And I'll just <laughs> unleash like a string of expletives. And, and Toby will be like, what are you, what, what are you doing, man? We're, we're, we're going. We're, it's like, oh, I thought we were just, I'm sorry. I thought we were just, like, preparing here. Dad, we're on the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that happened. We've had, have we had, how many expletives have we had in uh, almost two years, Cal? One. Not too, ma- not too many because we've got a jar that we have to add to every time. So kangaroo court. Right. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't want to give up that money. And it's seven thousand dollars a curse word. So <laughs> we've made the fine very steep. Yeah, but, the, uh, the 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 last person to curse the you know their kids get get college free. That's right. <laughs> Actually, the the only guy to really curse on the show was Dan Shackner. He was the only guy to curse on the show. That's right. He dropped the s bomb when we had Dan on. But we All allowed. Right. It. We did. We allowed it. Well, he's a big TV star, Dan. Yeah, you know, exactly. He's 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 a, he's a hot celebrity. We'll allow the guests to do it, so Ted, you, you feel free. You're, you're fine. Uh, I, I'll, I'll probably hold back. It, it, it's funny. I, uh, I guess due to you know uh, prof- professional constraints, I, I tend not to curse in uh, in media appearances. But in real life, I, I just have a filthy mouth. I mean, really, it's it's very immature. Yes, as why. Uh, now, so let's get into uh, the Jets, and then we we have to talk to you about uh, No I Amigo, uh, Turkish oh, sandwiches. We have, we have a lot to talk about with Jose Reyes, but I, I do want to talk about the. Where's Cal? Should we just go to Jose Reyes? Oh yes, please. We've, I've been dying to talk to Ted about this. No, we, are we just kidding ourselves that we're going to talk about the Jets? Let's Jets. Jets. Yeah. Let's Jets uh, Patriots uh, big game. Okay, Jose Reyes. Was uh, was down in Miami today, Ted, and uh, he had a Marlins Joe Stonecrab. That's right, Joe Stonecrab, which we all know means uh, he's as good as gone. Right. Well, it depends uh, he what he ordered. <laughs> What's that? It depends what he ordered. We haven't heard yet. That's, you know. That's, that's correct. He also had a Miami Marlins uh, construction helmet on today. Yeah, I mean, saw that. I'm. Check your conversion chart, people. This means five years, two hundred and fifty million dollars. All right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's this is what we've come to, right? I mean, this is this is this off season. It's funny, like I said, it, I, I posted it today, and I, I used the uh, the Red Smith quote or whatever, which was, you know, reality has strangled invention. The guy Randy Medina from the Apple interviewed me about, you know, his, he was like, I'm going to make this joke. It's, it's uh, you know, Jose Reyes eats a sandwich, and we, we sort of turn it inside out, uh, <laughs> you know, examining what it means that Jose Reyes has the sandwich, if you know, what its implications are for its free agency. And then... We read that. Right, and then, and then the day that comes out, like the same day, like within the hour, the, the, the post story comes out reading the implications into the rap song from July. <laughs> And then later that day, we find out that he's eating stone crab. So it's like it's like oh man, like Randy, like you weren't even far out enough. Like this was this is like too straightforward to be satire. People are just gonna buy this. Right. 
they're going to actually people... think that we're being serious, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the rap song. For for those of you who don't uh who who might not have caught this in the post uh yesterday, Kevin Kernan uh in a in a really a, a, just a fine display of journalistic uh, superheroism uh, came out with an article where he broke down the lyrics of uh, Jose Reyes's reggaeton song No I Amigo. It's so sad. Every time I say it now, I feel like this sense of sad and loss and, and uh, sadness. Um, he broke this down and said, this tells where Jose Reyes is going. Now, Ted, the truth, because Cal and I, I think, thought it was a send-up. We thought it was a joke. The 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 the, post, the, article. the the column. I don't think yeah. so. It didn't no, appear I, to I, be in jest. I know. I but mean, it was, uh, I can't. Not the way it ended. I, no, I, no, I, I am ego. Goodbye, Mets. I'm reluctant to like. I've certainly written my share of of inordinately stupid things in the past. So like, I'm. I'd like to be careful about ripping people, but it's it's the same guy who who once said. You know, ignore the fact that the Mets are leading the league in walks. The reason they're winning is that their pitchers are are pounding the strike zone. You know, there's there's some sort of there's some logic failures there sometimes. You you sir you sir are doing a wonderful job. Uh, yeah, Cal uh, Cal and I last week on the show went into a, and and we can make fun of these people all day because it's so easy. But Cal and I oh, on, yeah. on the show on the show last week. Um, we really had the debate about Jose Reyes at the end of the day. If you're the Mets, um, and and the Madoff scandal, uh, and of course we don't live in this world, but if the Madoff scandal doesn't exist, is Jose Reyes a good place to draw the line uh, as far as a long-term contract at that sort of money? It's it's he the guy to draw the line at uh, uh, for this because of the hamstring concerns and stuff. Ted, where do you come in on this? Do you, do you think that Jose Reyes, if, if you take the Madoff fact out of the equation, um, would you give Jose Reyes, you know, six years and $115 million? Uh, I mean, if, if you think that's the type of money he's going to get, yeah. I mean, I think I think you do. I think if the Mets – and I don't think it's just the Madoff thing that's, that's costing him the money now. I think it's it's more than – obviously, that's a part of it. Uh, right. Because obviously that's contributed to you know, why they've been uh, you know selling advertisements so poorly and, and drawing so poorly. But I think now you know all those in issues have sort of compounded, and it was something Sandy Alderson talked about on on Hot Stove Show today, saying like if you can't sell tickets, you can't maintain that payroll, you know. And if, if people aren't watching on TV and you're not selling you know commercial time. You're not going to be able to keep that 140 million dollar payroll if you don't win, and so I don't think it's it's just the Madoff thing. I think that's just like one of the many many factors why that payroll has to come down. Uh, but yeah, I think if they're at 140 million dollars, it's to me it's it's a no doubter. But I'm biased because I love Ray. <laughs> but Ted, isn't it kind of like the chicken and the egg thing though? If you can't sell tickets if you can't win games, but you can't win games if you don't have the players to win the games, and if you don't have the players, you're not going to sell tickets, so it, it just becomes like a cycle, and how well, do you break that cycle at this point? Yeah, I mean, you you break that cycle by by developing, and it's, it's, it's sort of a, a cop-out answer, 
and it's not it's it's because it's not an easy process. But you you break that cycle by developing good players because those are the guys that are cheap. You break that cycle by not having had signed Jason Bay to that deal. And, you know, I mean, I don't know that you could call the Johan Santana deal a mistake, but uh, it's certainly one that looks pretty terrible right about now. And, and you know, you break that cycle, by, I guess, by getting out from so many of those deals, which looks so bad right now. But yeah. you're going to have to you're going to have to accept taking that step back almost to break that cycle, right? I don't know. You know, I, I mean, I think, again, I think I might be maybe foolishly optimistic just based on, you know, I, I look around and I read I read stuff and I, and I read what everybody else has to say and I think maybe I'm crazy. But if you look at, and, and if Redis doesn't come back, it's a big difference. But even so, if you look up and down, top to bottom, at the Mets lineup next year, with every player healthy, and and if you think the the walls, if you think there was something more to David Wright's the, the the effect of the walls on David Wright than just the distance there, if you think you know like what Patrick Flood wrote about today, which was you know that maybe there was some sort of psychological thing weighing on David Wright and and causing him to adjust his mechanics and. And causing him to tinker, tinker and affecting him in the field and, and affecting him at the plate and making him strike out more, all that stuff. And, and you think then, you know, Wright might bounce back with the walls in, in the new spot. And, and he'll stay healthy. And, and Davis will be healthy. And Murphy will hit like he did again. You look at that team, they've got a great lineup. They really do have a very, very good lineup. There aren't any, you know, major, major stars besides Wright if he's playing like he can. But, uh, you know, one of the underrated or, or under-discussed aspects of the offense last year was just how deep it was. And you go top to bottom, and there's no guy who's an out machine. There's no guy who's just an, an absolute terrible hitter. And that's valuable. They're not going to have the pitching to, I think, keep them in a pennant race. But I don't think they're so far off that it's like, oh, we have to write off. I'm seeing people saying, you need to write off 2015. People are writing off 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015. That's four years. You're saying the Mets aren't going to win until 18-year-old Brandon Nimmo gets here. Right? Right. And I'm like, that's nuts. That's nuts. Teams can turn it around so quickly. And guys... And and we can look at we can look at the system now and be and say you know they've just got some you know mid level guys they've got some nice looking pitching prospects but not a ton of guys who look to be studs and then and then guys like Lucas Duda come out of nowhere and all of a sudden they look like viable major league players it's it's not a, a exact science and so sometimes things just go right and I think when teams are are run the right way and they're willing to put faith in young players who do produce in the minor leagues. They can turn things around a lot quicker than we want to give them credit for. Yeah, a couple of things here. You hit on a, a number of things that uh, Brian and I were talking about last week, um, and, and a spot on, Ted. One of the things we talked about, and I know you guys have talked about it on the Mostly Met uh, podcast, was uh, you know the Diamondbacks. You know when the playoffs started, and uh, I told the story last week, and I'll, I'll tell it again. You know I was in Arizona at a game on May the sixth of this year. 
um, and a Friday night game against the Rockies, and there were 15,000 people in the stands. And, yeah, you know, Mark, I mean, even Mark Grace John told Mark, me they were rebuilding. I mean, you know, and they and they won 90 games. You know, so you, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna tell me that lineup is tremendously better than the Met lineup when it's all healthy, and you're not gonna tell me that pitching staff was tremendously better at the beginning of the season, you know, than than the Met staff was. So things can turn in a heartbeat. You know, last uh, well, it's easier uh, last, it's easier in that division for the record. You know, like it's yeah, easier for Diamondbacks than. Absolutely. The Mets have to contend with the with the Phillies, obviously, and the Braves, and 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 the Marlins with Jose Reyes. No, but all I'm saying is it, it can turn around. That was supposed to be a 90 loss team. They won 90 games. Okay. But the other thing that you talked about, I had. A, or, or the, a, I mean, the Padres two years ago for the same the same example. Sure. They didn't end up sure. in the playoffs, but they were a team that came out of nowhere. The Reds yep. two years ago. Yep. And the, and the Padres two years ago won what, like 87 games or whatever, and yeah. finished a couple games out of the. And they faded down the stretch. They were in first place the whole season. Yeah. I had uh, I had a, a relatively prominent uh, Mets beat reporter uh, tweet <laughs> to me uh, that I – and this is a quote, Ted. I don't know just how bad 2012 is going to be, and I can write off 2013 too. He said to me, "If you're, it was a direct message on Twitter. If you're a fan, I can't tell you how bad 2012 is going to be. Well, keep it. I mean, keep it around. It's like that's like your own fan bulletin board material. You know? <laughs> that's right. That's, no, but and and I I understand that that a lot of the beat guys and you you deal with them a lot working at SNY, Ted. I know that. So a lot of the beat guys have a job to do. Some of them have agendas. Some of them. I don't, don't. really deal with so, them that much, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> well, then you know what? They all have agendas, and uh, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, the other thing that you hit on, and and Patrick's. Uh, Patrick's latest entries are, are, are fantastic. Everybody should go read those at uh, patrickfloodblog.com because um, they're great, this little three-part series he's put together. I'm hugely, that's what I'm going for, hugely in the camp of it did affect David Wright's swing because I, you, you don't have a road and a home swing. Okay, You have mechanics that go into your swing. You, you try to keep your swing consistent for 162 games. And I think it did get in his head. And I watched his first batting practice in the new stadium. Remember they had that uh, fan, sort of fan day uh, mm-hmm. before, this, before the stadium opened. And I watched him take BP in that stadium and, or in City Field. And it was in his head. And I've watched yeah. guys take BP. I've taken BP on Major League Field and stuff. It gets in your head. And you can't just turn it off and have a different swing when you go on the road. Otherwise, you're going to completely screw up your. I, I think there is something to that. Right, and 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 he's you know clearly he's a tinkerer, and he's a guy who works and and frets and and spends a lot of time thinking about being awesome at baseball, and you know maybe it weighed on him and 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 forced him to adjust in ways that he shouldn't have been adjusting. You know. Absolutely, and I think I think the same can be said somewhat for Jason Bay because he's clearly a tinkerer as well. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, it was amazing. We were laughing about it last week. You know, how many things did they get wrong on the stadium that they've had, uh, yeah. to, that they've had to fix in the three years that have been around? But that happens. I mean, you know, like, and, and I'd love to bless them for it. And, and but, but that happens. Like, if you look, no, it's I certainly know. not unprecedented for, for teams to be changing fences a couple of years after they open. They they did it in, in Detroit, like almost the same exact renovation, stuff like that. Yeah. 
And they did it in Petco as well in San Diego. I mean, I, I get that. It's just from the Met Museum to the, you know, that they didn't have, to the banners right. that they didn't have, to the outfield that they made bigger than Yellowstone Park. I mean, you know, like, it's just, now, let's get back to Jose. Cal, uh, Cal and I have been asking, we, we want to know, and people will probably be able to listen to the Mostly Mets podcast as well to check this out. But, Cal, ask him the big question. Cal. <laughs> the question. So, Ted, where do you – all right, in a vacuum, it's, it's hard to answer because you saw him wearing a Miami Marlins construction hat today. But where <laughs> where do you think Jose Reyes is going to wind up? You know, what, what kind of in odds vacuum, do you give him? In a vacuum, it's impossible to answer because there's no air. That's well. There's very limited air. Yeah. Um, where do I think yeah, I Jose Reyes ends up? I didn't you gotta answer it quick. Berg was this literal. My goodness. Um, I told you. That's just a, that's a classic troll response. Sorry. That's <laughs> right. Uh, you know what? I I don't know. I I don't know. I, I'm. I I. I no one's going to believe me. Uh, I want to say he comes back. I, I think, I don't know. And, and I think it's, it's like foolish. Again, I think it's foolish optimism. I think I'm blinded by how much of a Mets fan I am and, and how badly I want it to happen. Like I don't in, in my rational mind expect that that's the truth, but it's like the, uh, you know, the, the part of me that, that just wants to constantly eat more bacon and, and and make sense of that is the same part that is like, yeah, Jose Rice will be back next year. Cal, you were uh, you and I were around, uh, Ted, I, we don't presume to know your age. Uh we I'm think 30. we're probably Okay, so you're you're a little bit younger than us. So Cal and I went through this with Daryl Strawberry. And I went through it with Daryl Strawberry. I was very, very young. I'm but I remember it. I re- like I yeah. was Daryl Strawberry was one of my favorites, and then I went to his first game when he came back with the Dodgers. Like I remember when when Daryl left. Okay, that's the last. That's the last player that this would rival with the Mets. Oh, I think. And I was I was destroyed. I was I was a what were we juniors in high school? Cal probably ninety one ninety one juniors. So we were juniors in high school. Ted, I had a poster of him up in my locker. I was big. I was at his first major league game in nineteen eighty three. Um, he was, you know, Hernandez and Strawberry, my two guys. And I, uh, up until the last possible minute, was convinced he was still going to be a Met. Convinced. And it's starting to play all over again, and I'm, and I'm scared. Yeah, frankly. I don't know. It's, it's so tough. You know, and you're getting these, uh, like, <laughs> It's so funny. I mean, you're starting to see columns about Sandy Alderson, like, why is Sandy Alderson hasn't done anything yet? And it's like, dude, it's November 10th. It's November 10th. How are you saying it's the season starts in April? <laughs> like, what is Sandy Alderson waiting for? <laughs> like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, no one's done anything. Like, are you mad that he didn't sign Jim Tomey? Like, you know, right. nothing's happened. Nothing has happened. Like, no, he hasn't not done anything. Like, just because Reyes is, is talking to the Marlins, it doesn't mean well, Sandy Alderson is, is just, like, sitting on his thumbs. You know, you know let's, let's give the guy two weeks to, to figure some stuff out, you know? 
Ted, let's be honest, though. He hasn't spoken to Michael Kadire yet. Yeah, has he not spoken to Michael Kadire? That's it. Does the Mets not have guys like Michael Kadire? I mean, Cal's right. Like, unless he talks to every free agent available, he's not doing doing anything. You know, Michael uh, Kadire, I mean, you know, come on. Michael Kadire is out there. I mean, let's go. You know. Right. Yeah. God, the agenda is very, very difficult to take. It really is. And then you get an article like Kernan wrote, and you're like, well, I guess it's just a big circus now. I, 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 mean, but, I, I mean, at least at least it's a different take. You know, at least it's, it's, <laughs> it's more novel. Like, to his credit, he, you know, he's yeah. like, let's like it, it. It almost read like something like, uh, I'm, I'm, this is like a, it actually sounds even nastier than than not being mean about it, but it sounds like like almost like a like a college essay where you're like you're just sort of like grasping at straws and like, oh, you know, this this is why the, the shoes in this story represent this. And you just sort of make it up like it's an English class paper, you know? Right, exactly. At least, at least it's an idea. You know, at least it's an interesting idea. Whereas like, it's just like Sandy Alderson needs to do something so I have something to write about is not right. an idea. Yeah. At least it's an angle. Well, Steve and I talk about it all the time. It's like they have the F5 button on their on their keyboard, and they just you know hit F5, change some of the dates around, and boom, there's your yeah. article. Yeah, that's right. Auto type. Yeah, the the Rich Samini story. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I get the feeling sometimes, and and uh, with a lot of these guys though that, and and I have a very good friend who used to work for the Bergen Record and now works at FoxSports.com, and and. Uh, He's been in the business for a long time and, and, uh, in, in, in sports and stuff. He used to cover the Devils, and he used to cover hockey and stuff. And he's told me on more than one occasion that, you know, you get jaded and you get, you get to sort of not like the sport you're covering. And it took him, he said it took him, you know, four or five years of not covering the Devils anymore to start rooting for the Devils again. You know, because that was the team. Why don't I have that? Like, like, I don't have that at all. No, well, because you're a blogger, though, Ted. You know, I mean, you're 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 in the. This is what one of the reasons Cal and I started this show is that we wanted to talk to. You know, you you have something more invested because you love the team, right? You know, but also all these guys were. I mean, I mean, how do you get into writing about baseball if you didn't love baseball? At some point in your life, you know, like how do you become a newspaper or a website professional baseball writer if you didn't? Mm-hmm. That just seems unfair to me because there are yeah. thousands of great writers out there who are unemployed right now and and just love the hell out of baseball. Yep, it's the great line from The Natural, right? It's one of my favorite lines from The Natural. Did you ever play the game, Max? No, I can't say that I have, but I make it a heck of a lot more fun to watch by making or breaking the likes of you. Yeah. You know, and and for certain guys, it just becomes all about that. I guess. You know, just, I don't know. It, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it seems they all want to baseball should be enough, right? Like, I, I don't understand why. Like, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Like, you get to watch baseball games for a living. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Professionally. That's what you do. You get paid to go to a baseball park yeah, and watch like, games. I, I, I appreciate it, you know, and it's not right. even like the full part of my job, but like every time I'm at a baseball game and 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 getting paid to be there, I'm like, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome. 
I think that's one of the reasons, honestly, honestly, Ted, I think, too, that's one of the reasons that Toby reads really well on the podcast. I mean, you guys all really do, but Toby so clearly loves what he's doing. Yeah. And he's so clearly like he's so clearly like jazzed by you know watching these kids and 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 seeing prospects and, and he's just he's so jazzed by it like you listen to him he, talk about some kid who's never going to play in the major leagues ever. I gotta tell you, he's good at it too. Like I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Savannah Sandnats broadcast. I sure had no. until I was down there. Uh, I was you know, I was on a baseball road trip. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about my bizarre baseball life it's that i i go when i take time off work i usually and just meet my friends someplace and drive through the country watching other baseball games but uh one of them started in savannah and so we were hanging out with toby and i got he he got us in the press box i i was uh i was credentialed i did like a couple of video interviews down there and so we sat next to him and and he's calling the game and it was hilarious because like i hung out with the guy a bunch of times but i never even like I knew he's the radio guy, but like it never, it never like dawned on me. I, I guess I never really processed that. Like, oh yeah, like he's the radio play-by-play guy, but he's good at it. He's like really good at telling people what's happening in the baseball game that you're watching. It's funny, right? But he's good at it because he loves it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's clearly, yeah, he's clearly enjoying himself while he does it. And that's as a, and as a fan, and Steve and I talk about this all the time, and we may have even spoken to you about it last time. This, you are the people that we want to go to for our news right now. We want to we want to read and we want to listen to to people who have access to the team, who are closer to the team, kind of like the media, but still have that passion for what they're covering. You know, as a fan, you want that's what you want to see, not some guy who's going to just you know set, set set out the same article that he put out last week. Just reword it a little bit. We want to, we want to see fresh material from people that love what they're doing. You know. Well, I hope so. I mean, that's kind of the kind of it's kind of the idea behind a lot of what we do on 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 all of our websites. So so it's good to hear. You know. Yeah, and I, think I don't that's, want that's, I don't want to let you guys in on a trade secret, but you're you're sort of hitting <laughs> on it right there. And it's working. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and that's one of the reasons that we uh, we sort of love Patrick right off the bat, like ro- love Patrick's writing right off the bat, because I remember reading him when we first started the show uh, before he was even on SNY, and and just reading him and being like, this guy is sort of like just got a great angle. He's got he's funny. He's you know it's just yeah, a different smart, kind yeah. of writing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a smart guy. He he's got great pop culture references. He has a good time with it. Uh, but he knows his stuff too, you know. I told Cal yeah, last yeah. week, you know, we're going to turn Cal into a somewhat of a sabermetician because Cal's afraid of it. He's afraid. I'm not yeah, going there. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I, mean, you know. I, I, I told Cal last week. I said, look, we're not going to turn you. You know, you're not going to be pushing your glasses up and you know and do it Klingon sign. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to adopt it. You just have to accept that it exists. And that, like, the people that are running the team are using it, and, like, it has value for evaluating players. You know, like, you don't, have to, you don't have to be writing your own new stats, right? Like, no, I, I, no one wants to do that. I, I kind of want to do that. Um, <laughs> back, to the, back to the Mets real quick, and then, and then I actually do want to get your opinions on the Jets, and then I need to talk to you about gyros. Um, All right. But... Uh, going forward, I, I caught a little bit of the Alderson uh, hot stove with Kevin Burkhart. By the way, speaking of guys who do a great job who are in the mainstream media, Kevin Burkhart's awesome. I think. Oh, yeah. 
I think he does an awesome job. I think he's just non-agended, professional, uh, does interesting stories. The man on the street, you know, quote unquote, man in the ballpark stuff is great. But anyway, that's a that's a tough, that's a hard job too. Like I yeah. can't, yeah. you know, usually like any. I mean, how how many times have you, has a sideline reporter or whatever that you want to call that role, field reporter? like, actually said something interesting during a game. And, like, other yes. than Burkhardt, it's so rare. Yeah, six, sure. I think, is the number. I think it's six. Yeah, um, six might be right. <laughs> so I, 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 that's all of my, Matt Laughlin's entire career. It was like... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matty Laughlin. Um, so you, you had Alderson talking about uh, what you were alluding to earlier about the payroll and the idea that it's not just about the Madoff situation. It is about sustainability over a long period of time and that, you know, you have to win and you have to have the revenue to have. You said something about uh, knowing of another team that, you know, well, we have our two $20 million players. Like you can't, you can't just sustain more than those guys. My question, one of my questions to you, Ted, would be who, do you, do you see this team making a long-term commitment to anyone? Like, I can't see the – when's the next six-year contract you're going to see the Mets give out, or, or is that done? Um, a free agent contract? Yeah. That might be a while. I mean, it, it depends on the situation. You know, like, I think I think if – you know, who knows? If if everything falls falls right and, and they, they play extremely well this year and they get to 84, 85 wins and they got everybody coming back, and it looks like they're, you know, a center fielder away. And, you know, they, I don't know, I, there's not a lot of money coming off the books next year. So it doesn't make a lot of sense for it to be next year. But hypothetically, I think if they're, you know, one guy away um, and they can justify that, I think they, w- they would do it for the right free agent. Uh, I, Matt Kemp's going to be a free agent, and he's so awesome. So I, I, that's just like my own personal fantasy. Um, but uh, that, that that's how that plays out. Um, but I won't because they're not going to have the type of free money, I don't think. Uh, but I think I think that that is the type of scenario in which they would go for a free agent. I think you have to go for free agents, sort of knowing, you know, you're signing them to help you win World Series within the next, you know, two or three seasons, and that, you know, part of the deal is that you're going to get the last few years of their contract. Uh, as an albatross, you know, and, and something you're just going to have to bear. Uh, and I think you'll see them give more extensions to young players. I think you'll see, you know, guys, uh, Daniel Murphy, if, if he stays healthy, Lucas Duda, Ike Davis, guys like that, locked up to long-term deals that buy out their arbitration years and a couple after that, uh, since that seems to be the trend. And then so they won't really become free agents until later than they would if they just, you know, played out through arbitration. Ted, do you feel good about this group, you know, led by Sandy Alderson? Do you, I mean, do you trust that the future of the franchise is in their hands right now? Do you, do you trust them? Um, are you kind of like, you know, my opinion is I'm all in with this group, and, and whatever they want to do, I'm, I'm fine with. Uh, if, if it means having that sustainability that he talks about, and we have to take a couple of steps back this year, I mean, next year, I'm fine, I'm fine with it. But for the future, how do you feel about them? I feel great. I, I hate, like, I don't want to sound like I'm, like, a company man or whatever, but, like, sustainability is the word I was using when I was killing Omamaniah. You know, like, if you go back to my old columns on SNY.TV 
and I'm I'm like uh, doing bizarre things, equating Manaya and Adam Rubin to howler monkeys and stuff. And but like I'm talking about the whole time, it's like you gotta focus on the farm system. Like this isn't gonna last. You gotta, you know, it's got. And I use the word sustainability a bunch, and it's so cool. Like it's just cool to me to have a guy, a GM who who's like. Like this guy, like I, I don't even, I don't even like it's, it almost, it's almost tough, like it's tough to write about because you're just like, yep, yep, like you just like sort of nod along now. Right. <clears throat> yeah. No. I, I, Cal and I are, we're, we're, the chips are in the center of the table for us with Sandy Alderson and and yeah, Death, uh, we're, we're good. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. One, uh, one other thing uh, about the Mets. Lastly, with the Mets uh, for me, and that is. Um, and this is sort of a specific question, but I keep hearing that I keep hearing that Wheeler and Harvey and uh, uh, well, let's stay with them uh, those two specifically. I keep hearing that they're two years away, three years away, and I know uh, Toby's you know seen them and stuff. And, and do you get the feeling that that they're that far away, Ted, or is there a chance that maybe even in September next year you see them come up? I think that. You might see Harvey next year. I don't think you'll see Weaver, uh, Wheeler next year. Uh, okay. I think that uh, I forget the total. I there's a number that the team's working with for innings above Double A that they want a pitcher to have before he makes the majors. And okay. like I don't, I don't think it's going to be feasible for. I mean, I guess if Wheeler. I don't know that it's going to be feasible for Wheeler to get there before he before the end of the year, maybe in September, and 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 then only really if he's just, I guess, mowing guys down in double and triple A. Right. Uh, whereas Harvey, I guess, would be, you know, sort of if he's going well. I, I think it was maybe 130 innings above single A, like 130 innings total of of double and triple A ball at least okay. before they can come up. Uh, don't quote me on that. Like, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't remember where I saw it. I don't remember if that was just something I heard or something I read, but, uh, it's something like that, you know, something to prevent, you know, blitzing guys through the system, which was obviously a, a problem with the last administration. And, uh, I think that, you know, they're going to give Harvey half a season to work on his stuff and, and develop his every, all parts of his game in the minors before they, they call him up. But I, I do imagine if he keeps pitching well, he'll he'll see the majors next year. Nice. Now, uh, Ted, uh, all-around baseball, because you're an all-around baseball kind of guy. Yeah, uh, all-around baseball. Gut, gut, gut feelings on um, on Pujols and, and Fielder. I know it's, again, it's almost seven days into free agency, and uh, Sandy Alderson has done nothing. Yeah, um, Sandy, I mean – <laughs> but no. <laughs> well, no Lord knows on... Sandy Alderson's. I mean, Sandy Alderson's just not going to sign Pujols this off season. I know. I know. Well, the Got Yankees me. are going to sign him and, and put him at third base. But um, no. <laughs> would that be? Would that really be that surprising? No. Low. Unfortunately, no. I think he's just stocking up on DHs. Right. Yeah. I, I, you, it gets depressing sometimes when ridiculous WFAN caller has Pujols at third. A-Rod at short, Jeter in left, and Fielder at the DH might not be that far off. Yeah, it would be like the most hilarious defensive team of all time, though. <laughs> yeah, it would be. That would be fun. 
and like all of a sudden, all of our pitchers have seven ERAs, and we can't figure out why. <laughs> why does CC Sabathia suck now? I don't know. But that's okay because they're gonna go. They're gonna trade Montero yeah. for uh, Felix Hernandez. So right. Well, yeah, but yeah. Why does Felix Hernandez suck? It's like every game is fifteen to nine. Right. Um, don't hit it to Stonehenge. Uh, uh, Pool. Pool has got to go back to the Cardinals, right? He has to, right? Yeah. Like, let's. Can uh, we just make this happen? Can we all just get together and agree that it's this just like happen? come on? Yeah. He, it's yeah. Um, Pujols goes back to the Cardinals. Okay. And Prince Fielder, I feel like that. I feel like Prince Fielder. I don't know. That one seems wide open to me. Like it sounds like the Marlins are at least you know everybody's talking about the Marlins. The Marlins are, are like showing their money right now. So yeah. everybody, it's, it's like definitely cool to say the Marlins right now. But like <laughs> any number of teams could come out of the woodwork and and make a play for Prince Fielder. There are teams with money and teams that are like that guy uh, like. Like, what about, like, the Orioles? Like, what if the Orioles are like, we really want Prince Fielder? Like, the Orioles are a team that throws money around. They don't have – they just got a GM. Uh, you know, they got a new GM now, and they, they sometimes they have money. Who knows? Like, maybe <laughs> they, they need to – they could use a first baseman. I don't know. That, that's like, like some, some, like, total – like, a rando would be what I would say. Might, like, come in on Prince Fielder. Now, do you, the mystery do you see that? Do you see Theo Epstein in, in Chicago doing something to make a big splash? Oh, yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. Um, like, I could see Pujols maybe entertaining that, Chicago. That would be, that would be badass. What <laughs> because, like, what now, Cardinals? <laughs> um, but it's a bad like move, right? It's like, what's up? <laughs> what Pujols is going to cost is going to be a, a bad move. It's, it's, he's going to be so expensive. And... I just don't know that like that's the type of move you want to make as like your signature first move as a GM is like locking up a guy for like just so much money. Right, but I so, could I could I could argue that though, Ted, and I'll tell you why. We were we were talking about this last week. The difference between let's say uh, Poolhole signs the difference between Jose Reyes and Pool, for example. Now the Mets are not going to sign. How much Pujols. do you think Poolhole is going to get? I don't think he gets thirty. I don't. I don't think he gets 30 a year. I could see a seven-year, 27, 28. That's so much money. I, it's ridiculous, but he, he doesn't rely on his legs, right? So, like, Albert Pujols could still be 37 years old and hitting 40 home runs in Wrigley Field. I mean, I, I believe in Albert Pujols, right? Like, I, I'm never – like, I, you know, I, I don't want to say he's going to break down, but he's – you know, he might the, – the rumor is always that he's not actually 31 or whatever. I, I don't know why. I, you know, I guess because he looks like he was 40 when he came into the league at 21. <laughs> um, but you know, so it, he didn't. If you look at his stats, he didn't. He he hasn't aged like he's not the age he says he is. Like he sort of did hit his peak in his late 20s, um, right. which is what what you expect from baseball players. But people always say he's older than he says he is. Uh, I think just because he looks so old. Right. Um, <laughs> Does. Uh, but if if that's true, if there's any truth to that, then you're gonna have like a 42 year old guy making 27 million dollars. I know, but don't you think that for that 42 year old guy could probably still hit 35 out of Wrigley Field? Yeah, and he's still gonna be awesome. And right, that's what, that's that's why to me you don't give Jose Reyes seven years. You know what I mean, or six years because you know the funny thing. Point, I think he, that. He, go on. 
No, I was just going to say, his game is his legs. So at the end of that contract, you know, the way he plays and the, and the, and the sort of crash and burn player that he is, that Jose Reyes, you, you can make a great bet that you're going you're gonna to really eat the last two years of that contract. Whereas with Pujols, even if his legs go, he's still going to he still can hit 35 home runs for you and be a productive player. Now, he may not be worth $27 million. I mean, A-Rod's not, right? But A-Rod can still hit you 30 home runs next year. You yeah, know, I, you know, the, the funny thing, and, and this is, just totally defies traditional logic, but I think it's a Bill James study, and, and it shows that, uh, and I don't, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. I've only seen people cite the study. I haven't seen the actual study, so I'm on shaky ground citing it. But uh, there was there was a study. I can promise you that, uh, concluding that that actually like speed type players, like Reyes type players, Reyes being probably an exception because he's he's been so injury prone. But those guys actually do tend to age better, uh, and I know that that doesn't make sense or it doesn't seem to make sense, those guys tend to age better than the power guys because, like, bulkier guys, just their bodies tend to break down more. That's okay. That makes sense. Um, I, I mean, it. I don't know, you know, like, I again, like, I, I haven't read it, so I don't know, like, I can't <laughs> tell you I'm all in on it. But, uh, right. you know, I think there is a case to be made that, like, a guy, like, if you look at, I think, you look at some big guys, and, and I'm thinking, like, Manny Ramirez or someone like that. It seems like some of the big sluggers, when they do start declining, it just falls apart so quickly for them. Whereas right. like more contact, bat speed type guys can sort of hang in the league as a useful player. Also, like as a shortstop, you can move to third base, you can move to second base, you can move around the infield and still have value. As a first baseman, there's really no place else you could be buried if you can't play there. So, That's true. So I think like a speed player... You know, as they slow down, as they break down, you can find other ways to sort of siphon value out of that guy. Whereas a power guy, when he starts to go, it's just like now, now there's nothing else to do. Now what? Now and then yeah. you have a rod. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Like the end, right. the back end of that a rod deal is just going to be awful. Oh, Doesn't the back end of that. It already is. <laughs> yeah. I think the back end of that Tishera deal is going to be the same way. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them because the money doesn't mean anything to them, right? Like they no. could spend unlimited money. They're printing it. Uh, we 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 now need to turn our attention to sandwiches. Yep. Uh, because we would be absolutely remiss if we had you on and didn't talk sandwiches. And we're going to bring in our sandwich expert, Ted, our producer, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, who uh, gave you the sound advice when you were in Binghamton to get a uh, – what do they call those things? Speedies? I had Speedy. 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 Yes, you had one. Uh, do tell, do tell uh, uh, PJ what you thought of the Speedy. It was good. I went to uh, Lupo's Char Grill. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, do you know it? I know them all. Uh, <laughs> I I went to Lupo's, and it was good. I had a pork Speedy. It tasted like. Um, it actually tasted like something I would have made like on my barbecue at home, which is a compliment. I'm I'm very good at that, and like you know like like but but better a little bit better than I would have made it. Uh, like very you know like delicately, elegantly, saltily seasoned, and just that's it. That's just there's just pork on bread, and it's surprising that it could be that good, but it's very good. 
Yeah, well, you, the, well, the, the the thing that everyone says about the speedy is, of course, how did they get it so moist? Because yeah. all they do is they lump it on bread, and you figure it's going to be this gummy mess. Uh, and it's, it's delectable. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. So but now I'm, uh, I... I'm surprised you went with pork. I mean, pork is uh, that's uh, choice C. Usually, usually it's it's a chicken or a lamb. I'm surprised I didn't yell at you. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I'm, I'm flying. You know, I don't know. I'm flying. Uh, I just go in. I, uh, there's a lot of pressure. You know, you're like, I don't even know how to pronounce this thing. I'm like, <laughs> so you're like, I want one of those. And there's like the, the pork was like the closest thing I could point to. <laughs> what uh, what have you come across lately, Ted? What's uh, what's the uh, sandwich du jour? What's going on? Um, I've been uh, well. I I I uh I don't want to mention that I moved because it's been all I've been talking about on the Mostly Mets podcast and uh, James Cannon Geyser of Amazing Avenue has started a Ted Berg podcast drinking or a Mostly Mets podcast drinking game where he drinks every time I mention moving. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, due to moving, there you go. Uh, so yeah, so now he can hit three sips. Uh, I uh, I have been uh, focusing on homemade sandwiches and and trying to uh, save a little bit of cash. And so uh, I've mostly been having uh, Fairway... Fairway Fairway has an excellent meat selection. So uh, (laughs) Boar's Head, Virginia Ham, and Honey Maple Turkey. Nice. Asiago Cheese. And do you like everything sliced thin, or do you find that some things uh, are better thicker than uh, than thin? Well, um, it's interesting you brought that up, because traditionally, yes, sliced thin, right? You want things sliced thin, you get, you get more surface area that way, and that's more flavor. But I think people have gone so nuts with demanding things sliced thin that, like, at least where I was in Westchester, it was like the, the deli guys were scarred by that, and they would just basically give you shredded turkey. <laughs> and, and and then it would be so thin that you couldn't peel off the individual slices of turkey, and you'd just wind up putting like a big. You'd have to like rip off hunks of turkey to put it on your sandwich. You get a balance, right. yeah. They get mad. So there's at a you. delicate right. there's a delicate balance to that. Um, it needs to be sliced turkey. thin, but still slices. That's good. Uh, anyway, it's a good sandwich. Uh, the Virginia ham, honey maple turkey, Asiago cheese, and mustard. On uh, on what on what bread? What are we doing this on? On whole wheat bread. Oh, okay, solid, very solid. Uh, I like stuff here. You know, it's good. It's uh, it's it uh, like the the both meats are coated in sweet things, so <laughs> they cut the mustard, um, which is funny, and uh, <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mean it like that, but uh, you know the We're mustard so has like a strong pungent taste. And and so you you don't want like like it's it's almost like a honey mustard effect to mix it with a sweet flavor, and Asiago cheese is good. It's like got a, a sort of pungent uh, like earthiness to it. Wow. Yeah. You, like you garnish guy. you garnish it with uh, lettuce and tomato or no? You don't even foul no, it with that. No, I don't have I, I don't have those things. We we like just moved, <laughs> so we don't. <laughs> It's like so an empty fridge potato. with like two things of cold cuts in the bottom. All right. Uh, now, uh, uh, PJ is a very big uh, home sandwich guy. 
So I'm, so I'm actually I'm not surprised uh, you guys are simpatico in that in that regard. Pete, yeah. what? Uh, give me give me a home sandwich you've been working on lately. Well, I want to recommend a few things. Um, Good. If uh, if uh, if you're a ham guy, and I am, uh, I'm going to recommend you get yourself some sliced Havarti. Oh yeah, of course. And that and that I will recommend you slice thin. When you do the Havarti. Visual for the boys. When you do the Havarti, you don't put it down as a slice. You lay it over. Havarti, you lay over. You understand? You fold you over. Like, you you, you it. fold it. And it, it everything's got to be. Everything's got to be. Oh, 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 yeah. I, well, I, I do that with all my 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 lunch meat. Everything's yeah. got to be folded, and then there's a little guy in here, and there's nothing in there. And can I say this is just something I've noticed that I don't think. Wait, who was it? That was that was, that was tremendous. Oh, thank I, you. I, yeah, for my I think couple. that uh, <laughs> women who make sandwiches tend to lay, let their cold cuts lay flat, but men who make sandwiches uh, tend to ribbon it and let it and let it sort of fall across. You see what I'm saying? I have I gone too far? No, I don't. I don't think that's uh, sexism at all. I don't know if I understand the euphemism, if there is one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he was just insulting people. <laughs> sandwich making. I uh, I don't I, think I've. <laughs> you uh, Ted, you you had something on uh, Ted Quarters today about uh, the the gyro, the gyro. Gyro, I, I say gyro. I say gyro. I say gyro, I, I, gyro too. Are we okay with this, guys? Can we just get a consensus here? Gyro, gyro. Gyro, gyro. fine. Gyro. Of course, of course. I'm shocked, PJ, that you would be contrarian in this regard. I'm shocked because you just, just sometimes well, you're a douche. Um, are any of you guys Greek? If 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 I were Greek, I might say gyro or or the appropriate pronunciation. But since I am not, I just feel like a goon saying it. Right, right. I'm, I'm in Bayside, so uh, but I'm we're we're all you know Italians here for the most. Cal is a, Cal is a quarter French Canadian. That's right. Right, Believe it or not he's got a little Canuck in there. So still doesn't still doesn't authorize me to say Giro though. <laughs> no, it does not. Yeah, it doesn't give you license to Giro. No, uh, but you had you had you had to you had about how to eat it and. This hit home because I just had this conversation with my wife like two weeks ago when we ordered from this great Greek place on uh, Bell Boulevard, and I, I got a, a gyro or whatever, and it's ridiculously good, ridiculously good. But the the foil paper situation is I'm just not adept, adroit enough to manage the sandwich without actually winding up taking a bite of the foil, taking the foil off entirely. And then if you have, like, a filling in your tooth, you know, like you That's get that. It. It's a yeah. disaster. It's an unmitigated disaster. So yeah. tell tell the people what you wrote about today. Well, I mean, I mean my point is, look, I, you got to go into the gyro knowing that you're going to get it all over yourself. That's That's the first part of it, right? Like, you just have to accept that. Don't wear nice clothes. Like preferably wear like a red shirt, something that's not gonna show stains. Like like you're going to Great Adventure when you're a kid. Like you know, you you go into it just prepared to be disgusting, and then make the best of it. I think by tearing away. I, I would say by trying to get them to go light on the vegetables, 
because you're in it for the meat. The vegetables are there for, like, crunch and a little extra flavor, but there's always way too many vegetables, especially from the, the street meat gyro guys. Uh, so I always I always try to get them to go light on the vegetables. The vegetables just mess up the whole thing. There's there's water on them, and, and they're, you know, they're spilling out all over the place. They're unpredictable. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, whereas if there's just a little bit of lettuce, it will like drip down into the area where the the lamb meat is and like actually add crunch to the bites of lamb. Uh, but if the lettuce is just piled on top, then you're just taking bites of lettuce with the tiki sauce, which is also good, but not as good. As, <laughs> not what you're going to though. Right, it's not what I ordered. Uh, I didn't get a salad for lunch. Um, so. Uh, and then you use the foil. You gotta, you gotta, like the the way the guys near me package it. There's always like the foil wrapper and then the foil cap. And so you remove the foil cap and you have like a little bit of gyro po- poking out, and you eat that. And then you sort of like peel back, like like Chipotle. You peel back the foil and you eat it slowly, and just keep peeling back the foil and eating it until you get to the bottom, and then you just like kind of have to dive in because there's going to be like a lot of gyro juice like, built up in that bottom pocket of foil. And if you want to eat that, which presumably you do, that's, I mean, that's, that's go to go to town. That's the goodness, yeah. That's that's right. a little bit of the goodness, yeah. I, I, I tell you what, I, next time I we order from this place, I'm going to have the primer out. I'm going to have tedquarters.net open on my netbook yeah, I mean, in front I, of me. I, I don't know that it was that valuable. It was like, you know, just something, a guy asked me, asked me, I just, Told him how I eat Just a cheat sheet. Just, you know, just crib notes. That's all. Just a little something to cheat up. We're all put on this earth to learn. So now... I'm happy to help. (laughs) So now I have have two things before we wrap up here, guys. One of them, Dr. Eray Stat told me not to ask and not to do, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Obviously. Right. And then the other other one is... um, uh, Well, uh, let me do this first. Okay. So, Ted and PJ and Cal, Dr. E. Ray Stat sent me, as he's wont to do, a random, completely random uh, uh, IM today that said, uh, once on Pearl Jam's 10 album, might be uh, the best opening song on a debut album. It's got to be one of the best opening songs on a debut rock album. Right? <clears throat> best album openers. So, I said... Uh, that's a great question. What are some yeah. of the best? What are some of the best openers on a debut album? And I threw out "Welcome to the Jungle" on "Appetite for Destruction." I think that's think that's a great one. I remember listening to it very well. So I'm going to throw that out to the team, uh, to to the guys here. Give me give me a couple of great debut album opening tracks. Uh, and and Evan said not to do this because. It could lead to dead air. And I said, yeah, well, it's, how, a, I mean, it's a podcast, though. It's not, you know, we're not going out over FAN and 50,000-watt channel. It's okay if the guys take a moment to think. We have time, plenty of bad times on Zeppelin 1. Oh, that's why I love you, PJ. Well done. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a nice pull right there. That's a, you, you came up with that quick. <laughs> oh, <thank> you. <laughs> were, you, were you cheating? Uh, how did you... I have to write downstairs now, right to my CD collection. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> he had no prior knowledge of that question, Ted. I promise you that. Oh, wow. I mean, man. 
it's it's a, it's a good question. It's a good question. It's a great question. Yeah, because it, it's so. I'm pulling, uh, and, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm pulling up my my iTunes. <laughs> right, <laughs> they, got, they got the iTunes. Because it, it it and and while you guys are thinking, I will I will further uh, just say that it is a great question because Evan and I were like, you know, it sets the tone for the whole band for like like once on ten sets the tone for their whole career. I feel like. Yeah. And and it's so uh, rare that you have that where like the band, holy cow, who are these guys? And I was trying to think, what's the first track on Nevermind? It's not Smells Like Teen Spirit, is it? No, no. It's, it smells Like Teen Spirit was like the third or the fourth track. Right. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Come As You Are is two, I think. Um, was it... But again, you know, I can't. I can't think of it. There you go. Just goes to show that Nevermind is not on that list, right? It's 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 an excellent question. Good times, bad times was definitely going to be a uh, was one that popped up in the back of my head because that is. You listen to that in 1967. You put the track. Red... Listen, this says "Smells Like Teen Spirit" was number one according to the Wikipedia. Was that right? I I, I don't remember that. I didn't think it was. I actually just changed that on Wikipedia, so... Right, right. That's possible. <laughs> He's editing it in live. Right. Just to make it work. Why would you right. do that? <laughs> uh, if it is track number one, then it's it's got to be there. Obviously. It's got to be a tremendous debut uh, uh, album, debut so- or uh, opening track of a debut album. It's a good question. Kick it around. Kick it around. Um... The other thing I wanted to ask you about real quick, Ted, uh, that we were uh, ecstatic about, and I want to just get your opinion, is the, uh, I'm sure you saw the Arrested Development movie. Uh, and there's going to be an Arrested Development movie. Right, it's not out yet. Right. There's going yeah, to be one. I, mean, we're, I think I'm, I'm with all the people who have said this, but uh, I will believe for certain that there is an Arrested Development movie when I'm like watching the credits roll at the end. <laughs> at the end, yeah. Not even in the beginning. Not even the beginning credits, yeah. Because it could be an elaborate ruse. Like the yeah. entire movie could have been an elaborate. They were, just trying to teach, they were just trying to teach me a lesson about hope. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things we were concerned about being huge fans when we saw the news was uh, any potential backlash. Like, do you think, I mean, it's coming out in like 2027 or something like that, and... and don't you think like the build-up could kill it? I'm just worried about the build-up killing it. I'm worried about it not it not being as good. Like I, I, I love that show so much. Like I've yes. I've seen it. I, I would not I would not say it's it's an overestimate to say I've probably seen every episode like ten to fifteen times. Like that's kind of embarrassing to admit, but like it's just they keep re-airing <laughs> it and I, I DVR it. And and they like it's just you know like it it's always being aired someplace, and so I just keep watching them like they're always in my DVR and I just I just I can't stop watching them they're so good and and they're I'm always still, good too and I'm still finding new things like I'm still determining new things like uh and like new little details and intricacies and it's it's amazing like it was just such an amazingly well crafted show and uh, and so I guess I'm worried that the movie won't live up to it, you know, and the movie won't be 
good enough. And, and they, you know, they're going to do, supposedly they're going to do a new season yeah, leading up to episodes, it. They're gonna, it's right. going to be a one season, which is a great idea. You know, yeah. they're going to have a season full of episodes to sort of establish the the where they all are now for the movie and then have the movie to sort of wrap up the plot, right. um, which is an awesome idea, right? That's an awesome yes. idea. I just hope it's as good as the TV show was, which is like saying, you know, I hope, uh, like, you know, subsequent Pearl Jam albums are as good as 10. <laughs> right? You know, like, it's just, it's, like I, hope, I hope this next album, it will be as good as Dark Side of the Moon. Right. I, 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 I totally agree. And I think the other thing about watching them over and over again is that, uh, the original series is that, it's it's PJ and I have talked about this. Cal and I have talked about it. It's so well written. It's so unbelievably well written and yeah. well thought out. Um, that, unbelievably know, like, well thought. Yeah, I mean the 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 character threads that are there in like the second episode or even the pilot. The pilot they, from the pilot they establish every character like every like like yeah. maybe is is conning people to to screw their parents and you know like like and <laughs> yeah. and Tobias is on the on the boat with the gay pirates and like every different character they have is like set up for how that character is going to be for the for the rest of the show you know and like Joe Joe oh, cool. ruins the trick by hiding his father or whatever right it's it's so unbelievable i mean we always uh, uh Paige and i always talk about the hand thread with buster and the thread yeah. of him losing his hand, which they established in like the second episode. Right. So if you big hand chair. He sits right, in the big, big hand, hand chair. chair. Like everything. <laughs> and did you know? Like this is here's here's this is when I was talking about details I never picked up on before. You know, and we were I was talking about teaching a lesson. In both of the Jay Walter Weatherman uh-huh. lessons that they flash back to, remember one. Job, Job is holding Buster's like in both of them Buster's hand is incapacitated like he right. one of them Job is slapping him in the face going why are you hitting yourself why are you hitting yourself and the other Job has got his arm pinned behind his back yep I, I mean unbelievable like that's like, who is thinking this stuff up like and like and, and it gets to the point where you're like okay maybe that's a coincidence but it's so well done that it's like it's like reading James Joyce or something where you're like right. well it, it's so good that you start assuming the coincidences aren't coincidences, and you never know what is written in there or, or not. Yep, uh, that's exactly right. And and I have the same fear that you have. That like, how do you are you going to be able to replicate? And look, hey, I'm a Star Wars guy. I'll, I'll admit it. I have a Star Wars tattoo. I am not ashamed to say that the first three uh, movies are, are very very huge in my oh, life. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about sullying a reputation. How about taking a leak on my childhood? I, I like to call yeah. it that. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, he just so ruined <laughs> any, anything, my hopes and expectations for something that I love pop culture-wise, and that is coming back. Like, I, I'm ruined for but it. But that was a money, Star Wars was like a money grab, right? Whereas this is like, these are people who are invested in this and, and clearly, like, love this. They're not doing this to make money, right? If they, if they wanted to make money, they'd do something else because this wasn't a, a profitable venture in the first place. Right. Right. That's true. Well, the HBO doesn't want us. No. Home Builders Organization does not want any part of us. Right, uh, exactly. It's just so freaking well written. God. And you know, you know what? Uh, the other thing about it, 
that I find amazing. I have a heart, and I can quote pretty much any movie that I've ever seen. Uh, PJ once described me as a good time unless you've seen that movie. Um, <laughs> and I I find that show really hard to quote from. Because... I see- and I've seen episodes. I, I've seen episodes a million times, and I'll have like quotes from them for like two weeks, and then I got to go back it because there's another one, and I want to grab here, and I'll, you know, it's hard. See, I find I quote them. I quote the episodes, like uh, like in everyday life, but in ways That's... that people would never even pick up on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, I can't even think of the ways I do it because they've now all become so ingrained in like the language that I speak that I, I don't even remember that I'm quoting Arrested Development anymore. That's fantastic. Well, Cal, Cal uh, had one of the great uh, fantasy sports teams' names. He and I just got on a kick where we started doing. Uh, I named one of my baseball teams Franklin Comes Alive. And uh, and Cal, Cal, well Evan Evan used one too, right? Evan used Doctor Erase that. Yeah, Evan used one as well. I can't remember what his was. And yours was uh, what, Cal? Um, Bob Lobla. Bob Lobla. Yeah, Bob Lobla. Uh, right. It was well, really I only because I found a cool picture of Scott Bayo to use as my as my team logo. Is there any other <laughs> kind? And, and then and then I worked backwards into the into the name. Exactly. That's a good point. And uh, I found a great picture of uh, Will Arnett and Franklin from the cover. I actually found the Franklin Comes Alive uh, JPEG. But um, and my my favorite story about that, real quick, Ted, is that uh, I I know a playwright who I used to, or I actually did a play that she wrote, and uh, at a small theater in in New York or whatever back in my acting days. And uh, her brother was the sound engineer in that scene. Her brother was, uh, and Franklin, when they're recording, Franklin comes live. Oh, no way. <laughs> her so brother the, was... The, the black guy who got mad and walked out? That's right. That was her brother. Awesome. Her brother was an assistant writer uh, on Arrested uh, out in L.A., and they gave him that part because he wrote that bit. Awesome. <laughs> and so we did, yeah, I, now every time I watch that scene, it's even better. I thought that, she, yeah, that is yeah. as... Uh, as good of a claim to fame as I could think of. Yeah, if that had been an acting gig for me, I would have retired. That would have been great. I'm done. Yeah. Good. Thank you. And the rest of the development. <laughs> the opening track of U2's Boy album is I Will Follow. That's a good one. That is I'm very a big U2 guy. I'm not, I, I am. Eh, Cal, where do you stand on U2? I like them. Well, I'm Irish, so I have to. Yeah. <laughs> Contractually obligated. Yeah, it's that's it's, it's a standard issue when you come out of the womb. Is that right? Yes, it's true. I guess McWalters is a big fan. Our buddy Kev, he's a big YouTube guy. I guess I didn't know that they did that. I don't have to like like Cello Luna or you know Louis Prima or anything. You know, they don't give me a Dean but Martin you, album when I get out of the. Uh... But you do though. You do love it. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> but you do. Ted, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, please come back. Check out Ted's stuff at uh, tedquarters.net, the Mostly Met podcast. Are you guys uh, on a steady schedule or just like once a week or what's the deal? Uh, once a week. We, we had been rolling them out every Thursday, and then I had something to do this week on Wednesday. And so this week it came out on Wednesday, 
and then I think next week Toby has something to do on Wednesday. So it'll be it'll come out on Wednesday again, but then it'll probably go back to every Thursday, and then every week, once a week. How about that? Awesome. And uh, and the, where's the best place to get that? Because I know you guys are on iTunes and stuff, right? Uh, we are on iTunes, and we are also on all three of our websites. So awesome. uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find. You can find it via my Twitter, at OGTedBerg, or via TedQuarters.net. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, man, and you, you definitely got to come back soon. And uh, seriously, keep up the good work with the podcast. I'm really enjoying it. I think Cal Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Awesome. Sure. Thanks, Ted. Thanks. So, uh, Cal, that was fun. Yeah, he's fun. Running with the devil also is a uh... cow. Excellent, excellent. See, if I had what? one Van Halen album, I could have done that. Yeah, well played, Peach. What? Roxanne, the first track on uh... Outlandish Day More. Yeah. I don't think so. No, uh, is it, is Outlandish Day More their first album? I hate the police. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cal, that's an excellent one, by the way. That's magnificent. Peach, what's the first song on Pink Floyd's first album? Oh, it's a, it's a Astronomy Domini. No, no, no one listens to that. Yeah, that's that's a. Uh, how about well, you? Don't have the Beatles in there, really. You don't have the Stones. Doors, maybe. What's the first track of the Doors album? Oh, I have. I just brought that up. Hold on. Punch that up. Uh, that was great. Thank you so much, Ted, for joining us. Again, tedquarters.net, Mostly Met Podcast on SNY.TV. Um, and he runs the uh, the SNY blog network of blogs. Uh, uh, have such a good time with Ted. He's uh, a really good writer. Patrick Flood is the other guy. And Toby Hyde are the guys that do the Mostly Met Podcast. They're excellent Met stuff, but they also they talk sandwiches. You know what I mean? They talk sandwiches. You gotta mix it up every once in a while. Yeah. I uh, I I think uh, we we didn't talk about the Jets Patriots. Obviously, a huge game this week. A uh, huge win against the Bills for the Jets. Good stuff. But we will definitely talk about that game next week. Um, and also the Giants with a big big victory over the Patriots. Cal uh, didn't see that coming. Oh wait, we did. We well, you did. It. I didn't. We predicted it. I'm giving you credit for that today. Today. First track um, on the Doors album was Break On Through. That's right. The defense rests. Watch yourself, counselor. It's not a bad song. Terrible fans. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the award for understatement. The nominees are Brian Calvi. Listen, though, I will gi- I'll give you an argument to that, though. Typically, the first song you hear from a band is the first song that they release, not necessarily the first track on an album. So if you don't, and you wouldn't get the album unless you've heard something from them, right? But wait a second. Wait a second. You want You're to switch the topic to the first single? You're lost. No, the topic is, I think the topic was the first song on the debut album. You're lost. <laughs> Cal, all I'm saying is, Evan's point was, when you used to, so the single is alive, or the single is even flow for Pearl Jam. But you went and bought the CD, right? Popped it in. You didn't know anything about the band except that that you heard that single and you liked it, right? Okay. And then the first song you hear, the second song you hear, the first song you hear on the album. Callie's not getting this stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm getting it. Well, don't you? I'm just, I'm just disagreeing. 
Well, no, no. But did you listen to albums in their entirety when you would buy an album, or were you the guy who skipped to the song you knew? I heard a live on the radio, right? And I went out and bought the cassette of Pearl Jam 10. Oh, but I knew, but I knew what I was getting into because I heard the I heard alive. So then you hear once, and it's great, and it, and then it kicks off the entire album of greatness. But it's not the first thing you hear from the band. Let me ask you a question: Did you have one of those fancy tape decks where you could fast forward song to song? No. So you had to listen to once first. I did. Well, you, well, it, well, you guessing game. I could you're right. I could fast forward, but I I had no idea where I would wind up. So, but the point is, do you I really? I had no idea where it would pop. <laughs> could have been anywhere. I could have been in in oceans. Who knows? <laughs> um, but the point the point is, from alive, you really don't know the band. You just know that there's one song that you kind of like. Right. So the so the the opening track on because they put you know they or they used to, you know put songs in an order on an album for a reason. They still do. I mean, I spent hours hours concocting what our album would look like when PJ and I were in a band, and we had twelve songs. Or the 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 band I was in in college, Cal Hellcat Maggie, the Maggie, right. and we sure. did we did two tapes of whatever six songs a piece. We spent hours debating what song should go where. Because it's important. You want the listener to have an experience. But even today... Jobs ruined everything. No, I don't agree. I think today you still listen to an album from beginning to end. You I do. do. Because you're old. old. Well, that's your <laughs> I think, PJ, I, I see your point, Cal. There, there's, a, there's a single that's released that gets you to buy the album. Right. So that's technically the first thing you've heard. But but I get but I get the point. The the first song on the debut album, I mean that's like that's their that's kind of like the introduction to the band. Here we are, world, this is what we do. That's and it. when you talk and when you talk about once, that's just an incredible introduction to the world. It's, what about it, bands it who replace their vocalists like Van Halen and A C D C? The first count. track on Back in Black was Hell's Bells. That was huge. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Do you, do you, are we counting Cliff Burton dying for Metallica? And they first, track. With the... first track, working out a new bass player? I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> no good? <laughs> Metallica uh, albums had no low end anyway. Hey, you know, uh, our buddy... Peach, our buddy Brian Stevens had a good question for me. Uh, uh, he's the old drummer of the band, Cal. Yes. You I sat with him at the wedding. I know. I've, I know him. Right. Uh, he, uh, and he going back in the studio, by the way. Yes, we are going back in the studio. Yes. Yes. We're rebuilding the studio. Is that true? That is true. We're wow. going to be rebuilding the studio. Um, From hell or high water. Well, we've had the high we've had the high water pot already. <clears throat> he had a great question about bands though. He had a uh, about band personnel. Maybe we'll take it to next week and do it in the fun mode there. Um but who who suffers the most out of the band personnel in aging? So like who has is it the vocalist, the guitarist, the drummer, the bass player? 
who has the or is most affected by aging. And like, and what are some examples thereof? He and I got into a, a nice a nice little debate about that. You mean someone who just looks like a train wreck, or someone who can't play anymore, or someone who can't perform anymore? The physicality of performing. I feel like it'd be the drummer, no? Let's save it. Oh, save it for next week. Oops. Mm. Save it for next week. Save it. Speaking of guitarists. This guy is good. All right, let's uh let's wrap this up, shall we? Okay, final bundle. This is the first time I've done this show uh on webcam. And uh I don't like it. I, I feel like I'm always uh, suppressing the urge to take my shirt off or something. I'm trying not to do something shocking. And it's taking me off my game. So I'm, I'm going to have to deal with that. Okay. Cal, final on Well, I want to wish a happy uh, Veterans Day tomorrow to all the veterans out there. I want to thank you all for your service. I want a happy Veterans Day to my brother-in-law. Dan, he's a, he's a veteran of Iraq. He's not listening right now, so he won't get the greeting from me, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. So thank you to all of you veterans for tomorrow. I will, uh, I'll second that, and I'll piggyback it with a happy birthday to the United States Marine Corps. 236th birthday, I believe, for the United States Marine Corps. Uh, happy birthday to the men who serve this country so bravely, and, and men and women, and, and uh, thank you for your service. And uh, that's about all we got for Brian Calvi and PJ Cachopo, the bishop. Uh, I'd like to thank Ted Berg for joining us once again, and uh, we will see you next week. Hey, Cal. We did it, Cal. We did it. We sure did, Steve. I'll tell you what, Brian, you have yourself a great week. I intend to, and you as well. Thanks, brother. Good night, everybody.